early days of the American frontier, people relied on steam engines to transport them through wild landscapes to spectacular new places. In this current era, we have something that allows for an even greater adventure, the search engine. So make sure you grab your ticket, because we're going on a first-class ride across the web. Well, welcome to a, another episode here on What's Going On, the podcast that makes you wonder about things you've never wondered about. Woo. I think I said that two one right. Two out of two, I it think. It felt kind of off. <laughs> uh, also, something that's a little bit different about this episode, it is going to be our second fan-requested episode. A big shout-out to my pops. He was wondering about hunting. Uh, kept it pretty open for interpretation, so I think we're just going to kind of go off of that and see where it leads. Uh, one thing that just kind of spurred it in my mind here when I read hunting is when did we start hunting uh, instead of like for survival into slowly transitioning into game and now almost of a sport? Pretty quick transition i feel like must have happened here as i mean now we have whole associations and other things that are created organizations that are created to like uh manage like animal populations and whatnot so a pretty big factor into hunting that's coming on in so yeah i don't really know patrick have you ever gone hunting before i have not no would you ever want to uh i i go back and forth on this I I feel like when I was younger I was very against it and now I'd be more so for it but at the same time it's still not something that I I don't know am itching to go want to do I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I completely understand. If you were to go hunting, what would you go hunting for? Do you have like an animal in mind? A human? <laughs> oh, yeah, game? definitely. Right away? Exactly. <laughs> Zero to 100. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, does fishing count as hunting? No, I I don't really know. It Not really. Like, it's got its own category, just fishing. But I mean, it's, it's ocean hunting, kind of. Exactly. But I mean... There's also, well, I mean, there is, like, spear fishing and, like, uh, mm, what is that? Like, a, a bow, bow bow fishing? What is that? Uh, it's, like, underground, like, where you shoot, like, a, uh, I can't think of it. Uh, it's, like, a gun that basically shoots an arrow. Yeah. Harpoon? Then, I don't know. That's a big boy version. Yeah, yeah. I, I know there's little, I, I know like, handhelds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, I, I would say it's different, unless you're using that sort of a weapon i don't really know but you count a fishing rod as a weapon <laughs> could be could be i've always wanted to go deep sea fishing actually i think that'd be really fun yeah yeah or underwater bow fishing i think that'd be a good time too either way yeah all right so what do you think here well the transition from survival hunting to game hunting when do you think that happened probably when we the started epic. farming you know because then we started yeah being in one place instead of roaming around usually after some sort of food or animal yeah so i still you don't i think it might still be a little while afterwards though because like i think maybe when there would be like larger settlements that were like good to go because i don't like i'm sure you could still go out and hunt and it wouldn't really technically be for survival it would be for like game and fun but i don't know how long it took for like a government to really start like regulating it you know well why does that have to be when people started hunting for fun is when a government regulates it okay 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 yeah yeah true i i mean 
All right. I was just thinking when government like regulated it. Uh, but no, you are definitely 100% right with that answer than when we started farming, I, for sure. I would imagine that maybe maybe it wasn't as common then, but definitely once guns were more accessible to people, then yeah. that probably yeah. helped. Because then mm-hmm. you didn't have to like risk your life or like really put in that much effort. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, gun hunting is definitely a lot easier, especially... Well, I don't know. Some of the muskets, I don't really know how accurate they were back in the day. True, but I mean, it's not like you're running after something until it collapses to death, or you're, like, going in and, like, stabbing something (laughs) and hoping it doesn't turn around and stab you back with its claws, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bow made it a little bit easier too you could like hide up in a tree and kind of just like wait yeah it's kind of like the same thing a gun did but it just added a little bit more range to it but Mm -hmm. i just don't know how accurate that was yeah i wonder what do you think a musket's range was i don't really know how to like confirm this but uh i have no idea i mean you you could maybe hit something like pretty far away it just wouldn't be with much a kill shot yeah, that or it like wouldn't be that accurate, so it would just be lucky if you hit it, or most of the time you probably don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still assuming that it's probably much farther than a bow and arrow, though, because even that, I mean, nowadays bows are really complicated. You get like sights and little weights and stuff to like help guide you through a bunch of shots or whatever that you're taking. So, but I think bows back then would still be pretty inaccurate. I don't even know how far they would be able to shoot. Probably not far at all. No, probably not. Might be better off with like a slingshot or something. <laughs> have you ever shot a bow that wasn't in uh, our gym class? Yes. I actually have gone bow hunting, and I have killed something with a bow, actually. Mm. Uh, used a compound bow. That one had like the sight and all all the, the little add-ons that you could imagine for it. So still a lot easier. One thing that, uh, speaking of my dad, he's gotten really into in the last couple of years is uh, using a long bow. And that's that's pretty impressive. It's literally just the like piece of wood, and then you have like a certain type of string that's like a little bit extra strength that you like stretch on that like wood. It has no sight or anything, mm-hmm. and you just use that. And he's actually gotten fairly good with it over the last couple of years. So pretty impressive, honestly. So he's becoming his true elf ranger self from back in the day. Yes, dude. Yes, dude. <laughs> ranger Fister reporting for duty. <laughs> But I think, I even think with all of our, like, advancements and whatnot, I'm pretty sure he says that, like, with that, he still wouldn't shoot something, like, over 30 or 40 yards with a longbow, just because hmm. without a sight, how inaccurate that can be. And, well, there's nothing, now that it's a sport, there's nothing worse than just, like, injuring an animal and not actually, like, you know, finishing the job. Yeah, yeah. That, and you never know if you just waited a little longer, maybe it would come closer and you'd definitely get it instead of scaring it away or something yeah exactly exactly i don't i don't know what do you think when hunting became sport what do you think the because i you you, like i said we're talking about bows that don't have a lot of range and most likely not a lot of lethal power so small game was probably preferred hunting at first unless you're going until guns then you could go for like a boar or a deer or something like that but yeah you don't think you get deer with bows though no you can i'm sure you can uh, and it's not like they're gonna turn around and kill you if you don't. Yeah, get yeah. Them. Maybe with deer, maybe with deer, you could actually get away with it here for quite a while. I'm sure you could. Or um, birds. 
Like if they bird. Were, <laughs> you think a fucking bird? If, if they're like fucking... <laughs> like a goose, you could get a goose. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. When you said birds, for some reason, I was just thinking of your friendly fucking neighborhood robin that just flying around <laughs> and out of nowhere, a fucking I hate that stone song. sharpened arrow just with pink and then uh, and then. <laughs> we're eating good tonight. No goose. Yeah, yeah. No larger birds like turkeys and stuff. That makes a hundred percent more sense. Yeah. Not n- not the robin. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I've been thinking like squirrels and rabbits a lot. Oh, but yeah. That, they'd probably be like ground traps and stuff like that, too. Yeah, I don't know if you'd be shooting bows at those. I feel like that'd be tough. But not a bird? I mean, if they're landing, I guess. Well, I mean, if it's but... if it's a big-ass bird, like, they're bigger. They're much bigger than squirrels and all that, and they don't... Yeah, you can yeah, get pretty squirrel, close yeah. to them for the most part. But a... <laughs> well, I don't know about... But nowadays you can't. Yeah, I don't know how fucking true. close you could get to a goose back then. I don't, maybe just a hatchet, too. Just a quick little chuck that at guy at him. A little tomahawk action. A little three. Have you ever thrown an axe? I feel like it is probably much less accurate than you think it is. Oh, I have. And I'm terrible with it. It's actually really hard to use. But I don't know. If you think about how much extra time and stuff you had back then when your main focus was just like farm and survive. I don't know. You could you could spend a couple of days chucking that bad boy, get the weight of it, get the feel of it, and then and then go after it. I don't really know. I think it'd be better to figure out how to set up a trap somewhere. Yeah, most likely. I was gonna say that setting up traps though, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Like I I literally can't even think of like one trap I would be able to set up besides maybe like uh, a pit where you just how would you how would you go about setting up a pit? Like digging a deep hole, covering it with some like light sticks that were just long enough to cover the hole and then maybe some like leaf and other foliage on it yeah maybe some hay no depends on how know. big that hole yeah some hay yeah no i'm thinking like some of the impressive ones are like where you like bend like a small tree back and it's got like a little like rope thing attached to it and if like an animal goes in there it like grabs it and punctures it all at the same time that's impressive yeah now you're talking some bear grills type stuff oh yeah <laughs> back to fucking bear grill did he set up a lot of traps i mean it was a survival show so i'm assuming i don't know i think i think he showed you how to do it every once in a while but <laughs> may, maybe it was the other guy who did it more because i think he stayed in one place where bear grills i think usually tried to get out of wherever he was okay okay i don't this is reminded me of naked and afraid just another TV show. <laughs> we got to learn all these survival skills and then go beyond naked and afraid while they drop us in like next to a, an active volcano. And we'll be like, don't worry, we got this. And see what you can do. <laughs> I don't know how much a trap is going to help on a volcano, but. No worries, dude. There's like volcanic, I don't know, rodent type things that we'll eat. We'll make some little jerky off of it or something. Oh, and then you could roast it in the lava it see look at that we're just saving time we're just being practical right here capture it and cook it and then we'll just come and it'll be a warm meal just sitting there on a leaf ready for us we'll already like like carve out some utensils out of some wood and stuff it'll be great it'll be great (laughs) do they get a prize for doing that or is it just the like oh you did it and you're on tv what naked and afraid yeah uh i i think so i've never watched the show I know there are some survival shows that are like they throw you out in like an Arctic wasteland and it's who can survive out there by themselves the longest. And the last one like standing wins basically. See, that's some fucking real man shit. Alaska, like in the cold, learning how to like, I don't know, cut out an igloo. That does, 
I'm okay. Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> it, I would like to do it for like fun on like a vacation or something, but I don't know if I'd like to live in it and be like, oh yeah, we're just out here for six months in a contest, seeing if we can make it. No. You're not, you're not oh, going to be the next So there Chris is a prize for Naked and Afraid. Huh? You're not going to be the next Well, he Chris died. McCandless? Well, yeah. You can figure out how not to die. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, but... I don't think he was planning on dying either. I think it all kind of happened as an accident. Hmm. I don't actually remember. He, so he was currently living in that bus in Alaska. Yeah. And it was in the, I think it was the spring is when he died. And so he, I don't know if he got hurt or if he ran out of food or something happened. I think he might have gotten hurt and kind of running out of food. So a double whammy there. And to be able to get back towards civilization, he had to cross a river. And by the time he got to that river, it was so far, I think, in the spring that so much like snow had melted that the river oh. was like a lot wider and a lot more treacherous. And so like not only injured and like hungry would he have to like make it across the river, which he'd probably go down quite a ways and get lost. But then he'd also be super wet and fucking, you know, still freezing temperatures in Alaska and I don't think he would have made it. And so I think he realized that, turned around and went back to the bus and was like, well, this is kind of it. Like this is, no one knows where I am. So I'm pretty sure you can still go visit the bus though. Like I think that's still there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what else is in Alaska? You might as well leave it there. Yeah, true, true. But no, real quick off that side story, Naked and Afraid does give out some prizes. Actually, you get a round trip flight for each winner to, oh shit. Or is this just... Oh, okay. Never mind. The flight out there is part of the prize, I guess, initially. You get a flying coach. (laughs) 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 But if you do win, uh, you get $5,000. It's really not a whole lot. No, that's not... What happened to the days <laughs> when game shows were like winning a million dollars? Million dollars, dude. And yeah, now like... as a million dollars continues to get less and less valuable, the prizes are now like $10,000. What? Why did it change? I don't know. I think game shows were just like, holy shit, we're giving out way too much money than what we're actually making. True. Uh, so they had to like back off a little bit. That's why I think um, the price is right and that type of thing is still like going. Because I don't think the prices they give out for that is like super crazy. I mean, I the they biggest do... thing you can get is like a new car or a vacation. Yeah, but they do know? like five days a week and like their prizes are consistently $20,000. So that's, you're talking $100,000 a week if no one wins I mean, like the double, like if you get within $100 and you win both the showcases. How often does that happen? I have no idea, but not very often. I have no idea either. But and and I don't know. Do you? You? I'm sure you have to pay for those seats to be able to even get in. I think they're you know? free. So like, I don't know why I think no that. way. If they're free, why the fuck have we not done that? I wanted to. It was it was in uh, Appleton one time. I thought why? I think I was I was busy uh, the one weekend, but the Price is Right live. There's one in uh, Clearwater coming up in October. Ooh. Wow, that's a long time away, but yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, I think you have to like wait in line the morning of or something. Let's see. It says that there's tickets. Oh shit! I think the cheapest ticket I'm seeing is fifty bucks right here. Hmm. What's like the closest date here? There's one in April. Wait, it says oh March. In each of the following methods, uh, general tickets are only available on a first come first serve basis and entirely free. Well, I don't know. 
It says you must request tickets where, months what? in advance on their website. I didn't even know the Price is Right had a website. Well, it, no, it's through some other vendor. On-camera audiences. Well, I forgot they do some weird, like, <laughs> win at home. <laughs> you can also mail in a request for tickets. Shit, yeah. We could literally apply right now to be a contestant. God, I would do so bad on that show, though. Yeah. That would be terrible. A dollar. <laughs> Wow, we got very far off of hunting. I, I, was just I don't even know how thinking of how I could connect the... that. <laughs> hunting for those deals. Spree- <laughs> All right, so I'm looking for the regulation of hunting, at least inside the United States, and it says that it dates back to the 19th century. Good old Theodore Roosevelt and the Boone and Crockett Club. I also wouldn't mind getting into, uh, if you're going for like squirrels or something, you could do like a blow dart. I think that'd be pretty interesting. I feel like that would be so inaccurate, but yeah. Dude, I don't know. Isaiah and I, back in the day, we got some PVC pipe. You put this like metal tip through a couple of like thick paper, like triangle cone things. And you just like cut off the tip of the paper triangle cone and like you shove it in there and you do like a little bit of hot glue and you, we put a little uh, like laser on top of it and like drew an arrow and like taped it all into like the correct position and we could shoot it pretty accurately. Like, I don't know, I'd say like 15 yards. Hmm. It's not a super far distance, but we also didn't want to walk around in our neighborhood to start <laughs> blow darting in people's backyards. So we never tested it out. <laughs> Or a slingshot. I feel like a slingshot would be pretty cool. Do you think boomerangs are used as a weapon? Yeah, I think they they used to be. Although, I I mean, I guess if you missed, it comes back to you. If you hit it, then I guess you don't need it to come back to you because hopefully you (laughs) knocked out whatever you... Uh, you knocked the fucking good one into it. Oh, I didn't think about it. It's pretty interesting that uh, a lot of like bird hunting or smaller game hunting is used with uh, dogs. I wonder how that training started because i'm pretty sure they don't like i don't think they attack them they just like go to like scare the shit out of them yeah a lot of times they and just they kinda, go up and you shoot them yeah run in the the big tall grass to like scare them out or something i'm seeing that boomerangs were used to hunt a variety of prey from kangaroos to parrots what do you mean dude? <laughs> i know <laughs> a kangaroo well fucking kangaroo dude you, we talked about how thick those bad boys were in just a little bit ago i like, couldn't imagine trying to get a kangaroo with that thing you would just piss it off i mean, maybe unless it's a little guy yeah. if it's a little guy yeah like a joey dude smacking that guy in the leg yeah i'm sure he'd be taken out but then you'd have a fucking pissed off hurt because they're also yeah they're social creatures so you'd have a <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what else did they what else did they hunt? Birds and other things? Yeah, like parrots and I assume like uh kiwis and all those other little Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing that uh in the early times of hunting it was mainly related to people of, of great wealth and privilege just because they had to actually own the land in order to kind of hunt on it um mm-hmm. once we had more like established societies and all of that and it became more of hunting for fun instead of survival yeah okay yeah so it looks like in the mid to late 1800s as like railroads trappers explorers and colonists were expanding to the western united states a bunch of species like population numbers were just getting decimated especially uh bison wow it says here that a lot of bison actually used to roam as far east as like the Carolinas, Pennsylvania, and New York. 
wow. and as far as south as Texas and Louisiana. So they were kind of all over the place. And the bison was kind of used here as the poster child to show like what happens when there's no big game hunting laws and everything's kind of a free for all is the numbers were pretty much completely wiped. And also for Eastern elk, it looks like, oh wow, Eastern elk was actually completely extinct in 1880. So then many states started uh, approving game wardens and actually like establishing seasons for certain uh, hunting times. Oh wow. And it looks like our good old home state of Wisco was the good example of how game laws and tags evolved into what it is today as they were one of the first states to establish a closed season for uh, white-tailed deer in 1851 was the first year. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then in 1887 is when they appointed their first game wardens and they made $50 a year for their salary. <laughs> that might actually be a decent amount. I don't know. All the way back then? That doesn't seem terrible. I'm seeing that one of the the first regulated hunting from a, a government was actually during the Napoleon era, uh, just oh. because there 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 was so much hunting and just kind of destroying of of natural species that he he was actually the the first one to place limits on where and when hunting could take place and mm-hmm. required a permit in order to do that but at the time the permit actually cost about a month's worth of wages for a typical farm laborer so it it kind of became even more so just for the well-off people oh i forgot that you have to do like some sort of exam right you have to do like a hunter safety yep yep you have to do a hunter safety (laughs) funny story about that i actually beat my dad on the test oh with that uh i got a perfect score on my hunter safety but that was a long time ago and uh, my dad only got one question wrong and the question was uh for hunting a white-tailed deer like what rifle should be used or something like that and my dad chose one uh that was used for elephant hunting because <laughs> it was the most powerful and the guy was like why did you choose that i think dad is like one of the only ones to choose that and he was like well, it gets the job done. <laughs> and the dude is like, you wouldn't have any deer left over. He's like, but well, you got it. It was actually pretty funny. I'm pretty sure with his like funny joke, he got the point awarded back. But it was uh, a funny little memory. Do you have to renew that? <laughs> Why was he taking it? Uh, I, so ironically, the hunter safety actually is a fairly new uh, thing that's come out. Like... Dad was one of the last generations who like didn't need it because once you reached a certain age, I think it was eighteen when they started hunter safety that they just kind of assumed that you've already like hunted and used a gun before, so they didn't require you to actually go to hunter safety. And I think like it was literally a year or two after Dad turned eighteen that they passed that uh, law requiring it. But since I had to take it and dad was like, fuck it, I've never done it. I think he just wanted to do it with me too. So hmm. it was a nice little time though. So one thing, I'm I'm still stuck on like Hunter's tags and whatnot. Because I was curious. I was like, how do they determine how many like tag sales? And apparently there's actually a shit ton of science that goes behind it. And so they're actually paying attention to like population numbers in certain areas. And due to the population numbers, depending on what game you're looking for, they'll actually only dole out a certain number of tags. But for like white-tailed deer and stuff in the Midwest and other areas, like 
the numbers are so high that it, you're not really going to like have a hard time getting uh, a, a tag or a license for it. But for other species, like I guess the bighorn sheep is a highly sought after big game animal. Their populations just aren't high enough to support like everybody who wants one. And so what they do is they get a bunch of applications a year and they basically do like a lottery system where they just like pull random applications. And if you get accepted, then you have the chance to purchase it if you'd like, which is pretty funny. There's like a little lottery for <laughs> yeah. for even hunting. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, well, I'm how the fuck do they I've always been curious about this. How do you track a population's number, though? You know what I mean? Like, is there someone just walking out there, like going to a field and counting how many is in that field while other people do that in the same like different areas or i don't get it i don't know i know with some like marine animals they kind of catch them and release them with a tag yeah and the tag yeah 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 i know that but i don't, I don't know do they do that for other do like, they do that for deer too? i have no i'm I sure imagine you think so? i don't know i i don't think i've seen I feel like I should know this. I think dad's going to give me a lot of shit for not knowing this. Maybe somehow I, they just count how many dead deer are on the side of the road and apply some factor. <laughs> <laughs> Monitoring of wildlife populations here. This I feel like this is going to get a little bit more detailed than I'm expecting. Looks like, yeah, monitoring devices are just one way. Oh, I do know. Yeah, there are. For birds, I think that there's leg bands. You know, like I'm pretty sure I've seen a goose, actually, with a little, like, colorful band that's, like, wrapped around its leg. Oh, really? Yeah, you don't see it too, too often. But I'm pretty sure that's a method for birds, at least. But I do think, like, the ear tag might be for deer. Interesting. Okay, so what I'm seeing... I don't know. They, I'll look it up here in just a second for deer. So it says here that with the monitoring devices, that the method of how they, like, collect that data is the total number that they have, basically, that they're monitoring, like, all devices that were put out... Uh, if like an animal dies, it basically like goes against the like entire collection that they have for that species. And depending on how great the impact is on the like total percent, they basically like calculate for a uh, population as a whole. And they're like, oh, like that was a pretty rough year because like so many died. Hmm. How do they get to the actual number though? I don't know. I think it's more of a rough estimate than an actual number, I'm guessing. Yeah. I'm seeing that there are four general approaches to estimate population sizes of wildlife. Uh, total counts, incomplete counts, indirect counts, and mark recapture methods. It looks like the total counts are just counting all of the animals, which I cannot imagine happens too often. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a lot of times they use airplanes and stuff like that in order to go over an area and actually aid in the counting. Although I would think that if I would hear an airplane coming, I might be running away if I was an animal, but <laughs> you never know. Depends uh, how ballsy you are. Yeah, it looks like the incomplete counts are kind of counting a smaller area and then extrapolating that with some formula to, to kind of the area you're actually looking at in total uh, indirect counts are oh so counting something related to an animal such as the number of muskrat houses or nests or den sites for various animals that you're actually looking for and then kind of extrapolating based on that and then the last one is kind of what we were talking about before is uh, yeah. actually capturing some of them and then letting them go and using that to estimate population that's pretty interesting that is pretty interesting 
I'm looking. I'm still trying to figure out what they do for deer. I, I want to say that they do an ear tag, but I didn't know this. But apparently, the largest population of white-tailed deer is actually in Texas. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, that's isn't that probably like the largest landmass state except for Alaska? So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, maybe. I just didn't know deer were so widespread. For some reason, I thought they hovered more in like midwestern areas. There are there are mule deer that are here in Colorado. I think you've seen some yep. too when you were here yep. as well. They're weird looking though. They look scrawny. They almost look like sick white-tailed deer. Yeah. <laughs> don't they kind of have like weird horns too or something? The weird thing that I don't like is their tail. Oh, their tail yeah. is very strange. It's like a little cylinder of almost like skin. It looks like if you got like a hairless cat and then you it just had like a short nubby tail. And then I think they do have a little like puff of hair <laughs> at the end of it. I'm looking it up right now just so I can be disgusted. How come the pictures I'm seeing are not as gross as what I've seen? Maybe there's a certain... Oh, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't understand. Why do deer even have tails? Uh, What's the maybe point? Maybe to like bat away flies a little bit or something. I, I don't know. But they're like three inches long. Yeah. I think it's do you think probably more for like a symbol of like alert or like predators or something. I think that's what the white-tailed deer uses its like tail for. Like when it like thinks that there's something nearby, it'll like stick its tail like straight up in the air. Yeah, that makes sense. But I don't know about mule deers. Like their tail is literally nothing. It's it almost looks like a donkey tail. I'm seeing that guns weren't around until the early 1300s. So that's when that initially started being used for hunting but the first known projectile firing gun was actually in china about a hundred years earlier but they didn't really continue to develop that technology and that the more modern idea of a hand firearm was developed after the idea of a cannon which was actually done first and then people thought hey maybe we could make this like handheld hand cannon yeah but i'm surprised uh that it's actually that old yeah i'm kind of surprised too i would not want to use like some of those older guns though oh no definitely not (laughs) which that'd be pretty dangerous pistols are kind of cool though they're kind of unique that's one i've never shot one but i would like to i think that'd be fun really i'm surprised you haven't I know. I mean, you could come down to Florida. Remember, there's a place where you could shoot machine guns or whatever. Fuck yeah, dude. A <laughs> little bit of everything in Florida, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still just looking on like how they count animals. Oh, man. I see a fucking mountain goat right here. He's got an entire GPS collar. <laughs> wow. I, I would think That's that that would like bother the animal, but I don't know. Yeah, there's. I think over time they've gotten a little bit better. Like I was seeing here on a different one that someone invented a a penguin like plastic like flipper thing and i don't know if it just like went completely on the flipper and they i don't know if they used some sort of like glue or what they did to like attach it but he actually won some sort of award because it was so like animal friendly compared to like what they were doing for penguins Hmm. god imagine trying to track a bear or like a wolf trying to do those numbers oh geez (laughs) i bet you they do more like trail camera stuff (laughs) they're not going out and tagging a whole lot of those or doing sharks. Or speaking back in the ocean, that'd be pretty intense too. Have to like capture a shark to slam the a tag, tag in that. Yeah. I think that I think I've seen a documentary on that where they have like this long metal pole and it's kind of like a thing that they like jut into their body is like a little like electronic tag. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to get near that for sure. Depends on the shark. 
Yeah, true, true. If you had to get near a shark, what uh, what shark would you get near? I don't really... I think I get... Like a, a I nursing shark, either. I think. I think those Ooh. are pretty tame. I want to see a whale shark. Oh, that'd be cool, actually. One of those big boys. I know they don't eat, like, you know, humans or anything, but I always just wonder, is it possible to get, like, stuck in its mouth somehow? That's why I've always oh, wondered yeah. about that. Because they just, like, oh, yeah. open their mouth up so big. Like, what if so you're swimming along? Like, <laughs> <laughs> be, I don't know. I mean, if you see a lot of krill next to you when you're swimming, get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I don't really know what else. That, that's what a whale shark eats, right? Probably something krill? like that. Something like that. You know what? I, I, I'm still reading on, like, hunting tags and other things like that. Just real quick, I'm bringing it back. Shout out to Wisco, though. Like, I'm seeing, like, every site here talking about Wisconsin for having such, like, uh, momentum going forward with actual doing state regulations on hunting tags. And because of that, there have been like taxes and other things. All that money goes towards natural resources. And without Wisconsin doing this, a lot of other states wouldn't have followed through. And so because this actually started, hunting tag sales were making so much money. Uh, a lot of state parks that we currently have actually might not have existed if Wisconsin didn't actually lead the way uh to where we're at today hmm. wow so that's actually pretty cool yeah yeah thank you wisco and then we also started and... uh earth day back oh with yeah gaylord dude. Nelson. uh gaylord yeah yeah good old gaylord on earth day i wonder uh i wonder what that actually signified like what uh obviously like take care of your planet and whatnot but was there like a specific celebration that i don't doing i don't even know um i don't know maybe just actually thinking about the environment for one day yeah for a change i actually forgot that earth day was on my birthday <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that stupid rhyme i made when i was five. Oh my god i'm seeing that whale sharks can live to be 150 years old that's a pretty old shark i had no idea i i always thought that most bigger animals didn't live that long what uh they what they, they do eat? eat small shrimp fish and plankton it's so crazy that an animal that large just eats such small things and the way to do that is to just simply open its mouth as wide as fucking possible and like <sighs> get everything i can in there <laughs> Yeah, they process more than 6,000 liters of water an hour through their gills. Wow. Yeah, so basically Earth Day was created to tackle environmental like issues because there was no EPA, no Clean Air Act, no Clean Water Act, and so there wasn't really any like legal or regulatory mechanisms to like protect our environment and kind of our I don't know, our drinking water and stuff like that too. So there wasn't even the EPA started that. No, because Earth Day is only fifty years old. I had to check the back of my computer quick, but yeah, in in twenty twenty it turned fifty. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It came out in nineteen seventy, and it says here that there's there's nothing. Wow. And so that actually kickstarted all the environmental impact and actually just brought it into the light saying like hey <laughs> you probably take care of this fucking place <laughs> that's pretty insane though i don't even know what a whale shark looks like though whale shark big fish yeah just a big boy oh my god look at that mouth though yeah like four feet wide or something like that it's crazy i like the pattern that's on its body why do you think it has that some weird defense thing Imagine if you were the guy that had to track a whale shark. You swam up, had to swim next to that bad boy and like put a little thing on it. Because I'm seeing a bunch of people swimming with them. Yeah, yeah. They're not really a threat, but 
if you're ever worried about getting sucked in that mouth hole. <laughs> it doesn't look like they're super big, though. Yeah. Like, I it think looks that's like... just kind of an irrational fear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's understandable. It could happen to uh, with an actual whale, though. Yeah. Or just kayaking out there, and then <laughs> the whale's, like... Tail, oh, get to god, dude. Yeah, you get slapped up, you just start flying real quick. (laughs) What do you think the most exotic animal you can hunt is? Probably something that neither of us have ever heard of. I don't know, or or some like big game thing in Africa. I don't know what exotic really means. Like, I remember that dentist guy or something shot a giraffe, or no, there he shot a lion. And then there was someone else who shot, like, some big giraffe, and that was a big thing. I got you. Yeah, I don't fucking know. It kind of is sad shooting some, like, an elephant or something. I don't think I'd ever want to, like, hunt that. Yeah. I mean, those are very endangered just because of their tusks, which are, which is crazy. That will kill a whole big animal like that just to take its, like, basically, like, little defense mechanism things. Ridiculous. What do you think the most expensive hunting tag is? Probably something that's, like, very nearly endangered. Like, I'd imagine something like a lion would be hella expensive. Yeah, most likely, most likely. Here, let's look it up. Maybe a a grizzly bear? I don't know. Can you hunt? Yeah, you can hunt bears. Yeah. Oh, damn. So an African lion permit costs, it looks like it hovers around $50,000. Ooh, I was right. But that's not the most expensive one. Oh. That is the start of the expensive ones yeah yeah i wasn't thinking big Uh, enough a namibian black rhinoceros oh shit um aren't there only like two of those in existence now or something i don't even know but the it's saying this guy used a permit he won at a dallas safari club which valued at three hundred and fifty thousand dollars damn oh it was an auction that he got is that the most expensive one here? I'm trying to. Oh well, that guy just spent. This guy just spent a shit ton of money to try and find the biggest fucking mule deer. Okay, he didn't have to fucking spend that much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's this. Uh, what is it? Canadian hunter Troy Lorenz has spent eight hundred thousand dollars at two separate auctions to be able to hunt the biggest mule deer in North America. What a deer! I don't like. Know. How do they know it's the yeah. biggest one? I don't know. I don't know. It says that it was like the most elite hunting experience he could afford. Jeez. I don't know what all fucking goes on in with that. It's a but... deer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the best fucking deer that you've ever seen in your life, dude. I'm killing Bambi's dad. <laughs> it actually is pretty crazy how much uh, horns and stuff are actually worth, though. I know. I mean, the thing that my dad has where he's got the entire like lifespan of a of a deer's horns which is pretty unique i think he was offered i think like 30 grand for that wow back when he first got it at like a i think it was like almost like a like a cabela's or something like that hmm. i don't know but it is pretty cool uh the deer was hit by a car and but survived obviously until dad got him but when a deer is injured like that the horns grow back very uh a screw it just kind of all over the place and uh so like the one side that it was injured on the horn didn't grow like super large but it was kind of like funky and then the other one was still funky as well horns all over the place but a little bit larger and it, you could see like every single year as it got bigger and bigger that the horn slowly like came back to like a normal actual like set it was just pretty cool actually i really liked that that's dope it's also weird that horns actually drop i didn't really think about that i wonder 
why yeah i don't know I, I don't think it's just them too i'm pretty sure a lot i mean do moose not every animal do they drop their horns though i don't think so that i don't I, maybe not oh interesting so the reason why bucks lose their horns is because their body for the rut season or basically when their mating season is uh, their testosterone begins like just peaking and skyrocketing. But after the rut, their testosterone starts going down when it gets into like later winter. And the decline of testosterone triggers a hormone to reabsorb calcium that's in the bone or inside of the horns. And so it basically absorbs all the calcium out of the horns for the body to use. And then they just shut it when it's pretty much worthless. Because like the calcium is just it's not, it's too brittle to be able to hold on to the actual head. Have you, what about moose? Oh, yeah. It looks like they do shed their antlers. Really? That'd be crazy to come across that. A giant moose antler? Yeah. Wow. It looks like members of the deer family, which includes the moose. Okay. So only male moose have antlers, I guess. Yep. Yeah, I never thought of that. Hmm. And caribou. Caribou have pretty interesting horns, It too. helps them lose up to 60 pounds of weight so they can store more energy for the winter, I guess. Yeah. That, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Wow. 60 pounds? Wow. Yeah, it's they can get fucking huge. All right, so animals that don't drop their horns are wild sheep, antelope, bison, and the mountain goat, as they're not part of the deer family, and so they hold on to those horns for their entire life. Oh, I guess that's the difference between an antler and a horn. Oh. Horns are kept forever, and then antlers are um shut that's very strange i've never known that we're actually learning something here look at that oh yeah i forgot but when antlers grow on they actually have a velvet like they don't just look like that they have it uh, it looks like a fuzzy growth that's on them and i guess that's actually blood bearing tissue what the fuck have you ever seen velvet on horns do you know what i'm talking about or antlers excuse me i'm already fucking it up (laughs) No, I, I haven't seen that many antlers, but I I get what you're talking about. Oh, no, I think I saw it on that one mule deer we saw in uh, Colorado. Oh, yeah, it could have. It could have. But, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but there actually is. Oh, damn, dude, that looks gnarly. But because there is, like, blood flow through the antler as it's, like, growing, when they start shedding that velvet, when testosterone starts, like, you know, picking back up, the antlers actually, yeah, the antlers start to, like, slowly morph and the bone starts, like, hardening and the bloody velvet actually starts, like, melting off. There's actually a super gnarly pick. If you just look up deer with velvet shedding, it, it almost... It looks like a deer just got done murdering an entire family in the woods. Like it's it's wild, dude. Oh wow. Doesn't it? That's that's gnarly. That's that, crazy. That would be good for like a horror movie. <laughs> I'm surprised there hasn't been one. With all of this like yeah, with all of the horror movies that we've seen, there's never been a killer deer. Let's make it, dude. Yeah, we just need to uh, need to make sure we find them at the right time. Yeah. Don't caribou, <laughs> I feel like I, I would think that their horns, or antlers, sorry, are always velvety. I don't know why I think that. Is that true? No, I have seen, no, no. Oh. They're they're velvety at first, but I think they're just not as jagged for the most part. Um, like, a caribou's horns are, are can be quite, like, elongated. Oh, yeah, if you just type in caribou uh, with velvet shedding as well. Yeah. Uh. God, that looks even more gnarly because it's just a huge head rack. 
Um, but I mean, also like horns are fairly smooth for the most part anyway. So yeah, that's crazy. If anything, I feel like moose out of any animal looks like it has the most. Uh, wow. Is that? I never knew about this velvet shedding. That's crazy. Yeah, I knew that it shed, but I didn't know it was such a bloody mess. That's one thing I've never seen actually in the woods or at my uncle's farm. That's uh, <laughs> just a deer just bleeding out of its head. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's when the like bone the antlers are like hardening, so it's basically just like restricting off like blood flow for the most part, and then the like velvet is kind of like losing that blood flow, so it just starts like dying off almost. So like kind of not rotting flesh, but dying flesh. <laughs> and I know that they kind of just like they kind of rub it, I guess, like onto a on like trees and shit. I wonder if that like itches or something. I don't know. You think they feel that? I don't know. Possibly. I- I'm sure they get used to it. Yeah. Well, they kind of have to. Shed hunting is actually really fun. If you haven't done that, that, that that's a good time. I would highly recommend. Is that just listeners going out and f- trying to find antlers? Yep, pretty much. Going to a place you know is pretty populated, and then you just kind of like wander the woods and specifically look for an antler. It's pretty crazy, actually. Like you could check like every single like week, and because deer are like constantly moving there, like you could find something in a spot you've already like looked. Like there was one time we were shed hunting. And to be able to go to the location that we were supposed to go, we had to like go down this trail and it was me and a group of six or seven people. And we walked down, we went, found a bunch of sheds and then we came back on the exact same trail. And in the middle of that trail was actually another shed. <laughs> like it, it, wow. like a deer dropped it while we were out hunting. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny, but no, it's a good time. And then you also get a little collection of antlers and stuff. It's pretty cool. I don't know. You can do a lot with antlers. I know there's a, a lot of people that make um, uh, like chandeliers almost out of them. That looks pretty cool in like a, a wood cabin or something like that. We should but. pair that uh, with mushroom hunting. Try and find. Ooh. Uh, get get ourselves uh, a truffle. big old truffle hog. Truffle hog. I don't. Is there deer in France? Uh, I don't know. But I, I I remember from the truffle episode that we could go to. I think it was at Oregon. And find some weird type of truffle as well. I think okay. they have deer. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, France has a shit ton of different deer, actually. A red deer and a fallow deer. A roe deer. They got a shit ton. What is What is this? Red deer. You think it's completely red? Imagine a red deer and then it's shedding that velvet as well. Oh, jeez. You wouldn't even notice. <laughs> just camouflage. Wow. A red deer kind of just looks like a fucking moose. It's... It, well, or an elk. They're big, dude. Oh my god, is that not an elk? <laughs> they're the faces that they make when they're like grunting is actually quite hilarious. Yeah, those are pretty damn big. So it looks like we gotta find. Oh my god, look up a roe deer as well. R O E. Those antlers would be fucking hilarious. I would want to find one of those. Oh, they're so fucking cute. <laughs> It's like if you mixed a little prong, a koala. Yeah, it's like if you mixed a koala face into like a deer face. You see it? They're kind of like fat and round almost. Yeah, I could see it. (laughs) All right, let's find. It almost looks like an antelope or something like that. Yeah, it's strange. They look small too, like very small. They're cute. They're cute. We'll find some roe deer antlers. Well, first we're going to France. That's pretty big news right there. And then. We'll find antlers and some truffles, so I'm excited. 
Wow. Well, yet again, though, another uh, fan-recommended episode that turned out to be quite a lovely little adventure. So thank you, Dad, for suggesting it. Uh, If anybody else has more suggestions, remember, you could always just send us in an email, hit us on Facebook. Maybe you know us in person. There's a bunch of ways to let your ideas be known. Literally anything in the world. Does anything in the world make you curious? There's We just did it on hunting. We just did – we recorded – I'm not going to tell you, but we did record record one on an animal and that still got pretty fun literally anything take a look at your house and just five minutes be a little bit curious be like how the hell did we get here what's actually going on write us on in and uh like always i hope you guys enjoyed it hopefully learned one fact got a giggle or two and have a good night are we done yet oh (laughs) we are all right (laughs) thanks for listening to what's going on if you have any questions that you want partially answered please write them in to what's going on the pod at gmail.com. No spaces, no apostrophes, no excuses. One more time, that's what's going on the pod at gmail.com, and we hope to hear from you soon. Write and subscribe on any player of choice. Thank you.